Greetings and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place or Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is a very special open and shut episode with Big Daddy Thug himself, Todd Robinson. Now, you may ask why it is a very special episode, and I'll tell you. Uh, there are several spheres when it comes to knowing Todd Robinson. Uh, you may be on the outer sphere where you don't know who the guy is. And if that's the case, you're missing out on uh, some, some good books. His uh, Boo and Junior books are fun and irreverent uh, and tough. Um, and he deserves to be known uh, just for those. Uh, and as you'll find out in, in one country... Uh, he is famous for those. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but if you move a little further in and you're more of a crime fiction aficionado, uh, then you'll be aware of his long run, about 11 years, with the magazine Thuglet. Now, Thuglet came out at a time when dark and gritty and, and, and uh, hard-edged crime fiction didn't have very many places to go uh, in the short story realm. If you wrote a tough short story, uh, you weren't going to send it to uh, some of the long-standing magazines like Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine or Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine because they just had a different vibe to them and they filled a different niche. Todd came along and created Thug Lit and some pretty badass stories got uh, their day in the sun. Uh, that's how I first came to know him uh, as, an, as a writer throwing short stories out there, and he published one of mine. Uh, and I guess that brings me to the inner circle of this uh, Knowing Todd Robinson uh, diagram. Uh, it is amazing to me, and, and this is why I use the word special when I said episode here. Uh, it is amazing to me as I interview different writers and talk to different writers at conferences or whatever, how many of us have as our maybe just our one intersection uh, the fact that we had stories in Thuglet we both knew Todd Robinson in one way or another uh, to have that kind of an impact on the writing world I think is is pretty huge and there, there's great value in that and so that is why we're talking to Todd Robinson today uh, even though he doesn't have a new book out he's not on book tour he's uh, didn't win an award last week uh, there's no special reason to talk to him other than the fact uh, that he's Todd Robinson. He's Big Daddy Thug, and he did what he did. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, real quickly, before we get to that, I want to remind you that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by the publisher Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of dark and gritty crime fiction hmm, that tends to you know, reside down at the uh, darker, grittier, thuglet end of the spectrum, if you will. Uh, if you want to learn more about Down and Out Books, uh, please go to downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Take the journey with us. And although I've never heard Eric Campbell say he was directly uh, influenced by uh, Todd Robinson or Thuglet, um, I think that uh, Down Out Books as a publisher serves much the same role that uh, Thuglet did as a magazine. And that's why they are such a great publisher. So check them out. Um, now let's dive into our conversation with Todd Robinson. Well, hey, Todd, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a long time since I've done anything like this. Well, speaking of long time, we were talking before we went on air, and uh, we've known each other for at least a dozen years. And this is the first time we've spoken in person, and we've never even shaken hands. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's weird. I mean, that's that's part of living in the 20th century. We forge all these relationships with people that we never wind up in a room with. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, but it kind of speaks to uh, the reason I reached out to you to be on the show, and that is uh, your uh, noir magazine thug lit has really been uh, like a like a nexus point for so many authors uh crossing paths you did that for like over a decade yeah um i started out as a webzine only in 2005 and then uh my son was born a few years after that and it shut it down for a couple of years and back as uh ebook and print that's one of the, the points of pride of it was that I was able to bring up so many new voices and, and, and get them, you know, in audience, you know, if not with, you know, a million readers, certainly with uh, an aspect of the industry as well. And they were able to move up that ladder and refine those voices and refine their style and become the writers that they are by becoming part of that community. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And you use the word community, and that is really a, a very apt word for what we have going on when it comes to the crime fiction writers. I mean, it's a it's a group of people that are constantly finding ways to help each other, uh, and and it's really it's it's nice to be part of. Yeah, uh, and and again, I use the word community as far as the ones that we build for ourselves. Well, you know, you. Spent all that time, I think 11 years Thuglet was, was active, you know, so you're putting a lot of work in, you know, promoting other people for the most part. Um, but you still managed to get, get some writing done of your own, right? It was well-received and, and I, you know, for those maybe who don't know Todd Robinson, they don't know who Boo and Junior are, maybe you could give us the, the quick primer. Well, the, the way that I explain it in the simplest terms is I got two knucklehead Boston bouncers that operate with a lot more muscle and heart than they do with brains. <laughs> uh, that's pretty which, good. Which which is kind of how I, I live my own life. It's it's a very <laughs> it's very much my voice and my POV. I've had some friends read the books and uh, lovingly complain in the sense of uh, yeah, we loved your book. It was like you screaming in our ear for 320 pages. <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of how it rolls. <laughs> I, I think I read a description somewhere where you said something along the lines of uh, the Boo and Junior combined for 450 pounds, most of it Boo, and about a 10 grand in tattoos, most of it Junior or something. Am I getting close? Yeah, that, that's, that's <laughs> one of the... I don't call it a log line, but just sort of a descriptive of the characters yeah. within the book and on the back cover. Uh, and there's two of those, right? The second one, Rough Trade? Yeah. Will there be a third? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, that that's part of the reason that I've sort of been out of the, uh, the, the, the loopage for a while. You know, I just finished a standalone book. I have a new agent. It's out on the market right now. And I'm just sort of seeing what happens with that mm -hmm. before I make any further decisions. Well, anyone listening to you very closely at all has got to hear the Boston accent uh, still prevalent there. Uh, I know you lived in New York for quite some time now, but uh, uh, the accent hasn't completely abandoned you. Is it different? You know, I, I mean, I'm a West Coast guy, so I mean, I have no idea. Is New York and, and Boston radically different or is it one big city for the next? Nah, other than, you know, pure hatred of each other's sports teams, there's a lot more in common <laughs> than they are similar. Uh I mean, it's a Northeast thing. It's a Northeast mentality. It's a Northeast pragmatism that they both share. But the thing I like about, you know, Boston, it has its own character. New York has its own character. Mm -hmm. 
where Boston is a city that's very much a, a weird split of students and blue collar going back generations. And New York, you know, at least of this day and age, it has a, uh, you know, it, you've got the real melting pot experience. You've got people from everywhere in the world here. Mm-hmm at every stage of their life, and you've got some of the most powerful finances moving through the city at the same time. So they both represent certain qualities that the other doesn't have, but while sharing a, a root sense, sensibility. So that scene from Goodwill Hunting really wasn't that crazy fictional. No, it's pretty spot on. Hmm. As far as getting the flavor of a city, I mean, one of the places you're going to definitely definitely get the flavor of the people in a city anyway is it your local watering hole and you've spent a little bit of time behind the bar yeah I, well, I've, worked, I've worked in the food service industry for about 27 years so well well over half my life at this point and um you get you get more of the feel of a neighborhood than necessarily a city good point you know because even just within new york you go to a bar in the meatpacking district it's very different from the west village which is very different mm-hmm. from the east village up the west side and this is just one city there's just so many different broken down elements to each neighborhood in this town most of that being financial i mean manhattan is just a hot mess at this point but then you take it out to queens where all of the hottest bars are are in long island city right now hmm. which when i moved here years ago you couldn't get an apartment in astoria or long island city unless you were greek now it's like the hip neighborhood. Hmm. That it seems like that uh, that that's happening a lot. That the changes are faster than they used to be. I don't know if I'm just getting older and it seems that way, or if that's what everybody. Oh, it's definitely older. It's an older thing. <laughs> it's an older thing, and it's a gentrification thing. But it's also you know historically, and this is true of any city, but I, I don't think any more so than New York, is the money follows the artists. Ah. The artists live in the poorest parts of town because we don't make any goddamn money. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, the musicians, that's the writers, that's the poets, that's the singers. Mm-hmm. And the idle rich or the children of the rich that want to be hip, that want to be fancy, they want to hang out with the cool artists and, and feel off that vibe. And they start taking up the real estate of that neighborhood. And then mom and dad want to come visit. And they want a nice restaurant. So they finance the nice restaurants in that neighborhood. And then the rents start to slowly creep up, forcing out all the artists again, who then have to move to the next poorest part of town. And it's something that's tracked all across this city for 30 years. Boo and Junior, they work in a bar as well, right? Very much a piece of my personal history. You know, I I, uh, I worked for a number of years in a, in a notorious rock and roll bar in Kenmore Square in Boston called The Rat, which uh, is still legendary among certain people. I mean, the place closed in 97, and it has a Facebook page. You know, and alongside pictures of the cars playing down that stage and you know, Joan Jett and the Runaways hanging out at the back door, there's, there's a couple of semi-inappropriate pictures of the young me doing security in that place. <laughs> wow. And just the characters and the stories that, that came out of that were so, so rich. I've been, Like I said, I've lived in New York for, for, since 1996, and I still haven't even run out of Boston characters yet. I haven't even <laughs> been able to delve into New York characters yet. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe I, maybe I'm lucky. I lived in a smaller city. I would, I would be overpopulated with characters like you. Well, that's you. the thing I always say. I don't think of myself as creative at all. I just pay attention. You're more of a journalist than a writer. Then, yeah, I'm not smart. I'm clever, and I pay attention. And I, I always hate the saying, "It's like, well, be careful, or you'll end up in my novel." It's like, fuck that. I'm not warning you. 
You just wait. <laughs> oh, I'll portray you as honestly as I can. What's going to happen to you? That's 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 sort of out of my control and the, whatever the, the the whims of the the, the fiction gods. <laughs> hey, one of the things that uh, that I was pretty excited about for you was when the hard bounce came out you ended up uh going over to france if i remember right yeah it's weird i do really well in france and so you went on a book tour basically i've been on a a few of them when the second book came out in france it did even better and uh in 2017 i think 20 yeah 2017 i spent a, a full month in france on three different trips wow and it, it's 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 just kind of mind blowing because you you get for that brief instant this moment of what you dream uh, success as a writer is that doesn't really exist in America in publishing anymore. What is it about the books that the French gravitate to that makes makes them so popular? Do you think? I really don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I they, my French publisher is amazing. And they put me in a position to hustle what I do to readers. And there's not a lot of that here anymore. A, it's very hard to find readers anymore. We've, we've just evolved away from being a reading culture. France is definitively a reading culture. Mm. And I think the best contrast I can give from one to the other is, you know, you, you, you were talking about BauscherCon earlier, which is the biggest crime fiction festival that we have in the U.S., and it moves from city to city every year, and depending on the city, depends on the the attendance. But I think New Orleans maxed out at like three thousand attendees. I think, maybe the biggest festival they have in France every year is called the Quai du Poulain in Lyon. It's in Lyon every year, and it's a solely crime fiction. It's a crime fiction festival. And the year that I went, it had eighty thousand attendees in three days. Oh my God! It's like a comic con here. Yeah. It was. It was Comic-Con for precisely what I do. Wow. And it's, wow. it's, it's humbling. And I, I just spent three days absolutely gobsmacked going, oh, my God. 80,000 wow. people as opposed yeah. to 3,000 in a country with how many times the population? Yeah, that's amazing. That's crazy. And, and keep in mind, those 80,000 are all readers. They're not publishers and agents and guys trying to break into the business and guys who are new in the business and the successful people walking around so everybody can kiss their ring. That's 80,000 readers. Well, if you ever figure out what it is that uh, that, that, that got them excited. Uh, I mean, the, would... the best answer I can give to that, in all honesty, because there are some very, very successful and popular writers here who are not uh, as successful over there, or if even published over there. And the thing that has haunted me the most with American publishers is the thing that they embrace over there. And that's, I just try to do something different. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'll ask, I'm like, well, why, you know, this guy's very popular in the States. And they're like, hey, he writes the same stuff that everybody else does. I'm like, we don't right. want to read the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But just the fact that I'm trying to do something different is what interests them. And when I talk mm-hmm. to the readers, I say, you've read this, this is different because of this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And in America, I mean, there's a specific reason why the three biggest books in crime fiction in the last 10 years are Gone Girl, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Girl on the Train. It's all, it's, it's all marketing, and they keep marketing the same types of books to the same types of readers instead of trying to put something different out. And any time it does, it's an outlier, and then they try to chase that outlier for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a weird and screwy business here. And then uh, again and again, the, the, the phrase uh, too different 
has haunted me here with publishers, and we don't know who to sell it to. I'm like, well, why don't you try? The, 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 the French, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm. I was thrilled for you when I saw you going over there, and uh, I'm fascinated by the, uh, uh, you know, by the success being so uh, disproportionately high over there compared to the other countries. It's uh, interesting. Well, there are no other countries. There's only two. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got here and there. Oh, okay. Well, you're kicking ass in one and doing yeah, all right exactly. in the other. I'm international. <laughs> you're international. <laughs> oh, don't think for a second that when I'm writing out my bios, the first thing on there is internationally award-winning author. <laughs> they gave me a damn award over there, too. Did they really? What for? Best crime novel of the year. Well, congratulations. That I did not know. That is fantastic. Oh, that, oh, that was hilarious. Because they, they shot me. Email. And again, there's, like here, there's like six or seven of these awards every year. And I got nominated for like four of them, and I won one of them. And they wrote me an email, and they said, you won the Prix Libre for Best Crime Novel. I'm like, that's fantastic. And they're like, would you please send us a video acceptance for the ceremony? And then I just kind of a long pause. I'm like, can I go? <laughs> and they were so like... <laughs> Taking it back, like you would come to, I'm like, would I go to Paris to accept my first major literary award? Are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> so I called is... my buddy in Massachusetts. I'm like, get your passport ready, buddy. We're going to Paris. That is oh, it's awesome. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, every time I go there, the thought goes through my head of like, I don't know whose life I just stole, but man, they're going to be pissed when they find out how, be, <laughs> how much of a good time I'm having. Because this sure as shit is not my life. <laughs> well, you know, I. Uh, I'm not super metaphysical or anything, but you know, I, I, I do believe in, in a little bit of karma and energy out there. Not exactly sure how it works, but, uh, uh, if, uh, all the good work that you've done over the years, uh, having, having something come your way, even if it is French, <laughs> it's a good thing that you deserve. So well, thank uh, you, brother. I mean, but that's, that's the thing about the magazine too. It's like, you know, the idea of it is it's, I wanted to get these stories out there. I, and I never published a story that I didn't absolutely love to read. Because first and foremost, I'm a reader. That was the first thing I was. And, I, and nobody was publishing the kind of stories that not only that I was writing, but that I like to read. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I, I had to sit back and, and do it myself. Like, no one else is doing this kind of stuff. No one seems to be representing the voices of, of a new generation. That, well, that's the new book that's shopping around right now. It's, it's a very different novel for me. Because, uh, you know, I wanted to show that I'm a little something more than Boo and Junior. And so, so, so far, it's been a spectacular failure with publishers. But it's coming out in France in September. I was just going to say, how's it doing in France? Yeah. Well, it's another round of the same old bullshit here in the States of editor after editor going, oh, my God, I love this. This is so, so the writing is so good. The characters pop mm-hmm. off the page. Uh, we're not going to publish it. What? It's crazy. I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think at least in the larger end of the publishing world which is not i don't i don't swim at that end of the pool but from from where i am in the kiddie pool it it it, it seems yeah, kind i'm of in, a in the parking lot <laughs> it seems kind of incestuous you know and 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 very insular and i think when something is that way those are the kind of things that happen. Uh, you get a lot of group think happening, both in terms of got to have this or I can't sell this because it's different. This isn't what people want. And it's, uh, 
I know it frustrates a lot of writers who, who are doing exactly what you're describing. They wrote something that they're proud of and that's good and they have a track record, but I love it. I can't sell it is what they're hearing. Or you have people who are, are chasing the trend and trying to create something that fits those guidelines perfectly. And but that creates I, another monster as well for that exactly, writer. Exactly. You know, and I'm not, I'm not going to throw an, a, a name out, but I do have a very specific story about a young writer who very, very deliberately crafted himself a bestseller about 10 years ago. And he, he was another guy. He came through the magazine, published a couple of his stories. And about well, maybe not 10 years ago, but like six, seven years ago, he got one of those deals of a lifetime. Sold in more countries than his agent had ever sold to before because I'm friendly with his agent. The agent was just absolutely impressed. And he, he wrote himself a point-for-point bestseller. He looked at everything in the bestseller list, drew an element from every single one, and mashed them together into a bestseller. And it did moderately well. And then he spent the next two and a half years torturing himself trying to write a second one. I, I, you know, and I had this conversation with his agent. It's like, oh, he's having a, such a tough time with that. I said, that's because it's not him. Right. It's yeah. not his voice. If it becomes a retreat instead of you know a natural extension of who he is. And at the end of the day, that's always going to interest me more is being able to hear the voice of a writer inside what they do. Mm-hmm. That's what makes anything distinct. I mean, we're talking specifically about dealing with crime fiction. There are only so many crimes. <laughs> yeah. And, and there all are been only done. so many ways <laughs> to commit them. Yeah. But what makes your storyline different at the end of the day is the voice that you bring to it. Mm-hmm. And two, I can specifically say, you look at, did you read Jordan Harper's She Rides Shotgun? Absolutely. That story's been told dozens of times, dozens mm-hmm. of times in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But what Jordan brought to it was this honesty and this authenticity and a, mm-hmm. a jaw-dropping level of talent, and it made the whole thing new again. Same yeah, thing with Sean was... Cosby's upcoming book, Blacktop well, Wasteland. And, and these are the people that serve to remind us why we love the genre in the first place. Yeah, they're genuine. They're, they're authentic. Yeah, and they, they're, they're true to that. Yeah, which is exactly the opposite of what the guy did that you were describing. And uh, It may have been a bestseller, but it was soulless. Yeah, that that's exactly the word for it. And I felt bad for this guy because, I mean, he's a good guy. But there seemed to be such a cold manipulation towards how we produced that novel in the first place. You know, you're depressing the shit out of me, so... Um, oh, I sorry. Wanna... <laughs> sorry, man. Again, 15 years of doing this, I, I got to be realistic about it. And I can't be depressed about it. I, I will get depressed about it. But it's just the reality of it. And that's why I'm so lucky to have found an audience overseas because it just wasn't mm-hmm. going to happen for me here. My silly little stories are for my own amusement, and if anybody else likes them, that's great. The magazine was for everybody, for me to sit back and go, you know what, everybody should be reading this guy because they've got a talent, and they've got a story, they've got something to say, and I might be the only person to get it out in front of you. You know, these are, these are all great things that I've been lucky enough to be around and be surrounded by, and that's well, not going to change. Well, and it shouldn't. I mean, I, I can tell you that I was uh, thrilled to be part of that, and it's well, you uh, earned it. Uh, well, and I'll tell you the, the the other writers that I come across who have been uh, part of that are it's it's a high point in their in their writing career. And when you put out the first uh, best of year, the hardcore hard boiled uh, anthology, and I had a story in that. I had been in a number of anthologies to that point, but boy, that, that was like the Super Bowl of anthologies in my book. 
Uh, thank you, man. And again, the, it was a well-earned place in that magazine. That's one of the things that I'll say because I, I think I get given a little too much credit sometimes. And the way I describe it to people, like like Sean, again, bringing back Cosby, and he gives me a lot of credit. And I'm like, dude, I'm just the guy who had the club. You guys were the bands. You guys came in. You guys mm-hmm. filled the joint. You guys played the music. Mm-hmm. I'm just the one who's like, this band's good. Get on the stage. There, there, there's significant value in that though. And people appreciate it. And there's a form of validation that takes place in it. And it, and, and there's a connection that's made as well. So you've done a lot of that, Todd, and I'm, I'm glad you're proud of it and you should be. And, uh, and I'm glad I finally got to catch up to you and, and hear your voice in person. And, uh, I really appreciate you yeah, coming but on the show. talking to you, my man. Sorry if I depressed you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get over it. <laughs> Well, there you are, folks. Uh, you get a good picture of who Todd Robinson is, and and there's a humility to the guy for sure, and a brashness, and uh, uh, seems to be a very confident guy, very confident in his own skin. And uh, I like him. Uh, I'm grateful to him, and I think there are, is a whole generation of crime fiction authors out there who can say the same. On our next episode of A Wrong Place, Right Crime, we're going to talk to J.J. Hensley, former cop and former Secret Service agent who is a down-and-out author, actually. Uh, His books, uh, many of them are set in the Pittsburgh area and uh, some in his new home in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Most recently, he's written the Trevor Galloway series, and I caught up with him and had a great conversation. So check that out. I'd like to thank Todd for coming on the show and uh, for all that he's done for the uh, crime fiction community. Uh, down out books for, for carrying the torch a bit uh, and being a great publisher and, and uh, sponsor of the show and to you uh, the listener thanks for showing up and uh, we'll see you next episode with jj hensley until then this is frank zafiro reminding you that sometimes you gotta be in the wrong place to write crime <laughs>